Hello, and welcome to the Soulful of It podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Raquel, and today I'm joined by yoga teacher, earth witch, adventure-seeking, digital nomad, dog mom, community builder, adventure seeker, writer, and of course, the local mystic, Sierra. If you enjoy this episode, please remember to go give it a five-star rating and review on iTunes and share it out with your networks. Okay, let's jump into it. Hello, Sierra. Welcome to the podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so grateful to have you and it's been such a joy connecting with you online. We um, we met via Instagram, and you're one of just a small group of magic makers that I just really look up to and have so much admiration for, and I'm so giddy that you said, yes, you want to be on the podcast. Oh, that's so sweet. Uh, the feeling is, is absolutely mutual. I so admire everything you do. Aw, thank you. <laughs> Well, as you know, this podcast does have a monthly segment called The Transits in Tarot, and I'm an astrologer, so I always love to hear my guests' sun, moon, and rising sign, and would like to invite you to share those with me again and with our listeners for the first time. Of course. Yeah, I'm Sierra. I'm Scorpio, sun, Aquarius, moon, and Leo rising. (laughs) Such a beautiful mix of elements. I love that water, sun, air, moon, and that fiery rising. I see all of it for sure. And I have a little archetype sentence that I put together for you that I would like to surprise you with now and also surprise all of our listeners with. Are you ready to hear it? I've been ready. I've been waiting for this. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, awesome. So, You are the alchemist, which is your Scorpio sun, with the soul of the liberator, which is that Aquarius moon you've got going on, who appears to the world as the joyful creator, which is your Leo rising. What do you think of that? Oh my gosh. I need that like on a poster, beautifully framed in like calligraphy or something in my living room. That sounds so lovely. Well, it's all you and your magic and you're so lovely and it wouldn't be this lovely if it wasn't you. (laughs) So from there, just getting our bearings with our intro, now people have a little bit of a taste about who you are, but that's nothing compared to where we're going to go in this episode together. I'm so excited to dig into your magic and share some of that with our listeners today. We've got a few different topics we're going to explore, starting out with your current circumstances. So (laughs) I know that you're traveling all around the country right now in a van with your partner, and I'm so curious what's the story that inspired you to begin this chapter of becoming digital nomads together? Yeah, absolutely. It seems like it's kind of always been the story. It's just one of those things that I... I figured that I would end up in a scenario of this sort in my life. Um, I've I've always loved to travel and get out and see new places. And like we mentioned in the beginning, I, I have a few a few puppy dogs, so that's the easiest way to travel with them. You know, was to be able to take them. You know, because when you're out and you're and you're traveling a lot and you have dogs and you you hate to leave them at home, so the ideal is to be able to you know carry them with you in, in your back pocket in a sense. So the van seemed like the most accessible way to do that for us and also the most accessible way for my partner and I to be together um, in that way because I'm you know traveling teaching yoga and a lot of my work is online and he's a traveling painter and he gets really inspired by you know the outdoors and and just being outside and so we kind of decided on this as the way to mesh the two together and it really was a, a transformative year last year I, I know for everybody 2020 and just, you know, having that time to really dive deep into evaluating what we wanted to do with our lives and where we wanted these next few years to go after we had all this space when COVID hit and we were living in New Orleans. So it just kind of was one of those now or never things for us. And it was something we'd always talked about doing. And we've 
turned it into a reality. It, it's pretty crazy. It took us just over five months to build out the van. Um, we put, you know, all the bells and whistles, like kitchen, water, bed, all the, <laughs> I say bells and whistles, but those are like, I, you the know, basic, basic bells and whistles, <laughs> basic human needs, you know, light and water and food and things, but, um, but it's mobile. So I don't know. It's so magic to me that we have all of these things just wherever we need in, in the world. So it, it's, it's been a crazy adventure for sure. I had no idea that your partner was a painter. That's awesome. Yeah, he's wonderful. He really is inspired by a lot of street art and also Japanese style art. So he kind of has a lot of different blends that he does. And yeah, it's 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 so fun to watch him work. And it's nice because then he has all the extra paint supplies, you know, so then at the end of the day, when I just kind of want to unwind and I'm not a painter in any sort of professional route at all. I paint like daisies and sunflowers that hardly pass. So it's not anything (laughs) impressive, but it's just, it's nice to have all the materials at my disposal to be able to let that creativity flow whenever I, whenever I want. That's awesome. And I feel like before I ask you a couple more questions about van life, I first off need to know the names of your dogs and what type (laughs) of dogs they are to share with our listeners because I am dog obsessed, but I don't own a dog. So I just live through other people who own dogs currently. So can you share with us about your your puppies? Of course. That's like one of my favorite things to do. (laughs) I have, we have two dogs. They're both, they're both girls. They're the sweetest girls. One of them, her name is Izzy. She is 10 years old. And she is um, like a husky hybrid wolf mix. And then our other dog, her name is Sweet D, and she's five years old. She's like a she's a Doberman hound. We think she has a little bit of a little bit of pit in her too, but she's just kind of kind of a eclectic in that sense. But they're they're both the sweetest, the sweetest. And just to watch them interact with each other and other people is is so funny because their their personalities are totally different. So it's it's so fun. <laughs> Oh, man, I love that so much. And then the last thing I have to create space for is a quick plug because I don't know if our listeners are like me, but when it comes to these vans that people are building out, I get so curious and I'm like, what's it look like? Because (laughs) I know that you guys are creating a lot of content around what it does look like and what it took for you to build it out. And if anybody's listening and they're curious, they want to see it for themselves where can they go to to get their hands on some of that content and check out your van? Yeah, so most of our van stuff is is on YouTube. We went that route. And that one is was sort of more um, my partner Steven's creative project. So he films and edits all of our videos. He does a super great job. But we filmed out the entire build process of the van over 21 weeks. And then we've been doing a vlog every week that we've been on the road. Um, and it's our YouTube channel is called Karma Caravan. They're both with a K. And so our our van is named Karma then too. So yeah, it's kind of a sweet little parallel. (laughs) Oh, that's so awesome. I love that. Well, now folks know where they can go get a visual Mm -hmm. if they're hearing this and they're curious and they can also support your partner, but enough about him. He's great. (laughs) Not about him. (laughs) So I'm curious with you being on the road, what are any of the changes or challenges that you've had that maybe affect your day to day? since you began this journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, quite a lot. <laughs> and it's it, it's nice to talk about it um, because I don't ever want to give the illusion that like, you know, van life is perfect, is this epitome that everyone needs to strive for. And it's very Instagrammable for sure. But, you know, you, you want to share kind of the struggles, but at the same time, you don't want to come off as like complaining, you know, because I realize how fortunate we both are to be able to travel wherever, whenever we want. Um, so I don't know, it, it is a fine balance, but having the space to, to talk about the challenges, I, I think is really important. So in that regard, you know, the challenges kind of have been mostly, you know, spatially, obviously there's, there's four bodies that we have between me, him and the dogs and in such a small space. Um, so, you know, especially as, someone who identifies as a spiritual practitioner, you know, I like to kind of have a designated sacred space where I can go and do my yoga and my meditations and rituals kind of in the same space every day. And before when I lived in New Orleans and I had a whole room dedicated to that, you know, now I have a cupboard (laughs) in a shelf where I have my (laughs) spiritual supplies stocked and then I have to, you know, get them out and set them up and 
make sure the dogs don't knock them over and try to find a flat enough space, you know, and then put them <laughs> away when they're done. So it's, it's it, doing the most basic things is 10 times harder in, in every regard, you know, whether it, it whether it is a, a full moon ritual or going to the bathroom or taking a shower, you know, just everything <laughs> is harder in a sense. Um, but, you know, it, it, it goes that that ties into what your priorities are and, you know, what kind of what struggles you're willing to go through. You know, I feel like, well, I've, I've heard from a lot of people that they kind of wonder why on earth we would subject ourselves to this, you know, because of the, the struggles with, you know, just space and, and water and bathroom and everything like that. But when I look at it, you know, those are all things that we can problem solve, you know, and, and I don't mind just being more cognizant of things like that. I've actually really enjoyed being more aware of the materials and the resources that I'm using in the day-to-day life. And, and it makes you more connected with your, just your usage in that sense. But two, I feel like there would be, you know, you would, you would have other struggles if you were just living a more, I don't know, I guess, picturesque, a more sort of um, traditional, yeah, yeah, comfortable life, you know, you have other struggles, they're just totally different, you know, so it's definitely been a process of of getting used to the space for sure. And especially there being two of us, you know, sometimes I like to be really quiet and slow in the morning and Stephen likes to, you know, get up and like go and move. And so beforehand, when we had a whole house, we could spread out and do that away from each other. Now we're within six feet of, of each other at all times. So, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a work of balance for sure. And it's a work of compromise sometimes, but you know, it's, it's just, I think all of it is bringing you more closely connected to how you live your everyday life and, and the impact that your actions have. Mm, I love that. And it's like six feet closer to each other. It's like reverse social distancing. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Lucky that, you know, he and I have been together since the start of COVID. So it's we don't we don't have to worry about any of that, luckily. You are the pod. The the karma caravan is the pod. <laughs> Constant quarantine. Forever. Oh, I love it. But quarantine on the go. Yeah. It's so good. So I know that you're super big on self-care, and I know that you also call it soulful self-care, which, of mm-hmm. course, I love and we mm-hmm. all love here on the Soulful of It podcast. So I'm curious, what is your personal definition of soulful self-care, and how would you say that you're taking care of yourself while you're on the road? Yeah, yeah. That's definitely been a learning curve for for me personally on the road. But I like to specify it as soulful self-care because I think that the idea of self-care in general has become a bit popularized and maybe a bit watered down in a sense. I'm all about, Preach. you know, <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm like, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm all about face masks and jade rollers and bubble baths and things like that. They're, they're super awesome to have. But I think that maybe... Mm-hmm. The intention behind why we practice self-care is maybe being a bit muddled, you know, it's maybe turned into just a different form of indulgence, I think, and even numbing Mm. in some ways. But I feel like for me, you know, self-care practices that are really enriching are those that kind of elevate you to be a better person or just just feel better in your mind and your body. And sometimes those are the simplest practices, like just giving yourself, you know, 10 seconds of of silence, of of space when you first get into the car, you know, or even just um, reflecting on your day before you go to bed. So it's it's really (laughs) unsexy things sometimes that can be the most beneficial practices. But I really wanted to sort of put the emphasis back on that that connection to the soul and to the spirit and why we're even doing any of these practices in the first place. It's because we want to feel better in our bodies, feel better in our minds and become a more mm, heart-centered, more fully embodied person, not only for ourselves, but for you know those that we love and those that we interact with every day. So that's why I kind of always try to make that distinction of of self-care for, for a soulful purpose or for a soul-centered purpose. And for the second part of your question, then my experience with it, you know, personally has been, um, yeah, all about just trying to find that designated time and space for myself and also being flexible 
Um, I feel like, I don't know, you might be able to tell me a bit more about this in particular, but I feel like there's something, especially with my, my Scorpio son, that makes me so prone to perfection and things going exactly the way that I want them to go. And I am trying to learn to, you know, loosen things up around that a little bit, you know, just more kind of leaning into the flow of things, being able to maintain um, my personal, I don't know, Zen, for lack of a better word, you know, my sort of homeostasis, Mm. despite what might be going on in my external circumstances. You know, if I don't always get the chance to wake up slowly and and journal in the morning because say we have to move the van or because we're parked somewhere, you know, where we're we're not allowed to be technically. So I have to kind of be more fluid around things like that. And then also sharing the space with my partner and my dogs and getting to release that attachment a little bit. So my self-care practice right now is looking like a lot of detachment and a lot of looking inwards towards myself to look at the things that I feel the most, I guess, bogged down by and seeing how I can let go of things like that and just step more into my innate nature, which I I, I believe to be innately gracious and, and divine and loving. So trying to just, I don't know, kind of step more into that. Obviously, <laughs> that doesn't happen overnight, but I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're doing a great job. And to chime in on what you were bringing up about feeling like your Scorpio sun sign sometimes just wants to have like a pulse on the control of like what's going on and instead of just going with the flow and embracing and seeking that adaptability is so beautiful for a Scorpio, of course, because Scorpio is a fixed sign. And actually something I hadn't put together or really thought about until you were just talking is that you're really fixed because Scorpio is a fixed sign. Aquarius is a fixed sign. And so is Leo. Actually, I'm a great person for you because I'm triple (laughs) mutable. So I'm the three... I'm three of four. You're three of four um, signs that are mutable because I have Sagittarius Sun, which is mutable, Gemini Rising mutable, Pisces Moon mutable. So we're actually a great balance uh, <laughs> just because of that. But you're also, I feel like you are the world card in tarot because the world card features the four fixed signs in the zodiac. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you ever play with tarot uh, in that way, but I would recommend you to hang out with that card because I just feel like you'd have a natural connection to it. And like endings as beginnings is the biggest piece of takeaway that I always get from the world personally is like ending the major arcana with this beautiful, like naked woman, right? (laughs) She's just authentically herself and she's fearless and she's, you know, not afraid of the ending because she sees the beginning in it. And I see that in you. And I just think that's so awesome. Oh, thank you. That was such a such a lovely insight. I was wondering that, you know, because the place where I'm staying right now, they had um, a, a house copy of that, the only astrology book you'll ever need. And I've never dove into it before, but I was flipping through and I was, you know, going through all of my all of my signs personally. And I, I just came to that realization too the other night. It's like, oh my God, I am so fixed. Like, no wonder, <laughs> no wonder I'm <laughs> such a type A. Like, look at all of this just stable energy that I have. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that, being a stabilizer. And also look at you going out and creating an opportunity for yourself that will, and already has, made you a more adaptable person just by the nature of you traveling like this and living in this such a flexible way. It's really beautiful. And I think you have to be so solid in who you are as an individual to be able to uproot yourself in that way when you have this amount of fixed sign influencing you. Like to me, that's remarkable. (laughs) Oh, thank you. You're making me blush. (laughs) You can always count on me to talk good shit about Uh you. (laughs) So from there, I would love to step into another topic that I know you've got a wealth of knowledge on, so we won't even probably dig anywhere near as deep as we could go into (laughs) this topic because I just know you as somebody that I really look to as a leader in this arena, and that is yoga. So I'm curious, can you share with us how long have you been teaching yoga and what was your introduction into getting into yoga? Yeah, absolutely. I Yeah, I love 
I, I love I love talking about just the yoga practice and and my experience with it too because I I think it's such a such a beautiful beautiful practice and offering that we have. Um, I've been teaching yoga for uh, just over three years, I believe now. I feel like I don't know all of 2020 was like half a year, but also five years in the same time. I don't know. Time is <laughs> time Relatable. is slowly slipping. <laughs> but I've been teaching for I believe just over three years, and I've been. I guess dabbling, I'll say, ever since I was was really young. I remember my mom had just old yoga journal VHS tapes. I don't know if anyone's familiar. It's the very stereotypical like Zen yoga teacher voice, and it shows really able-bodied people and like brightly colored leotards doing wild splits and headstands, but then just this <laughs> very calm monotone narrated voice over the top telling you to breathe and I was I thought that they were the funnest things ever and me and my best friend would put them on and and just somersault around the front room just trying to attempt what these people were doing um having no idea you know what it was but but we thought it was fun but I do think that from you know a little bit of that still you know permeates you because you still are doing a practice of um, connecting to your body and just staying focused on something for a while. So, I mean, I I was enamored with it for some reason. Um, obviously, it didn't take the the really the really rooted approach in me until maybe I I got to to high school and college um, when I started taking classes regularly. But the kind of hallmark, I guess, story that really illustrates how my yoga practice changed me was right towards the the end of my college years. I had sort of just gotten out of um, kind of a pretty, a pretty rough breakup for myself. I had gotten to the point where I had invested so much of myself into someone else that when, you know, they left, I kind of was left feeling stranded and, and with nothing. And like, I didn't know who I was anymore because I had given so much of my life to someone else who all of a sudden, you know, gives it back to you. And so I was just kind of in a really, in a really um, isolated place within myself. So, you know, I had much more spare time then too. And and I had been kind of going casually to, to yoga classes. So I thought, well, you know, I have all this time now, let's just do it all day, every day, basically. So I went to my studio <laughs> basically every night, um, because I, I always left feeling so much better, even if it was just, you know, really subtle. You know, I, I just always left feeling more, more calm, a bit more just okay. And then that started to, to grow the more and more I practiced. Um, it was a really wonderful, just emotional release and just sort of like this, this life raft that brought me back to myself. And all of a sudden I believed again that I was okay, just as I was, that I was whole, just as I was, and that I could create my own happiness, that I didn't have to wait for someone else to give that to me. And that was a lesson that was was really powerful for me. Um, and then I I wanted nothing else but to to be around that and to and to share that practice. So after then I, I moved to New Orleans and that's where I got my teacher training done. Um, I got to connect with some of the most amazing teachers in that space and I learned so much from them and I started teaching. Um, I started doing some retreats in Costa Rica and, and in New Mexico and these really beautiful, really soul-centered places. And just the more that I practiced, the more that I connected with other women, you know, who were on this similar path looking for just to, to be the most embodied versions of themselves, then I just, I, I don't know, at some point I decided that this was, this was what I wanted my life to be. And, and I, I'm so grateful still for the practice every day. And even though now it looks a lot different for me than when it did, you know, back when I was still in college, it, it's still, I would say the, I don't know, it's still the, the, the universal thread that kind of is underneath everything that I do. So I don't know. I, I hope I, I think I sold the yoga practice pretty well there. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like something that is so anchoring when you're going through change and you're traveling, it's like, well, one thing that can stay consistent and of course with all that fixed energy that you also do have control over is that you can show up for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what yoga is for me, is showing up for me. And that's why I think I've had blockages to doing yoga and practicing yoga and being steady in it because I'm still learning the lesson that it sounds like you learned through yoga, which is to not give so much of myself away to everybody else around me, which 
is really a great side effect in the sense, I mean, well, okay, maybe the side effect isn't great, but the root is great. It's like, <laughs> I have so much to love to give and I want to love everybody, but you know, what am I leaving for myself? And yoga is a practice that radically requires you to show up for yourself. And damn, is that hard for some of us, <laughs> Yeah, but it feels so good when you do it, right? It does. Absolutely. And like you, you show up for yourself and it gives you that chance to you know, refill your energetic cup in a sense. Because I feel like so many of us, like you identified with too, when we're, we're giving and we just want other people to be happy sometimes, yeah, we do forget to, to refill that well for ourselves too. So yeah, it just, it really brings you back to that space inside of you. And I always, like you said, I think comforting was, was a really great word. I, I always felt so comforted by my practice and I was, I was showing up there for myself and I felt more connected to myself, but then, you know, I, I felt connected to something, to something bigger, to something deeper, to something sort of all permeating and, and just really loving and, and not to get, you know, religious or all, but I've just, I've always resonated with spirituality and I've always felt this really strong um, pull towards, you know, whatever this universal loving energy was. And so it, my yoga practice always really connects me more with, with that energy. And it just, yeah, it makes me feel, makes me feel very comforted. Mm, That is so beautiful. And I know that that's not everybody's experience with yoga. Unfortunately, I think that kind of like what we were saying about self-care, how it's been more commercial, commercialized and yoga, I think too, has had a lot of that going on and it's kind of created this bubble from my perspective. Maybe it's only me seeing this, but I definitely see people who are seeing yoga and telling themselves, yeah, but yoga isn't for people like me. And Mm -hmm. I'm curious what you might say to somebody who has that perspective for any reason that it could be. I mean, some people are like, well, I only see this one type of body type doing yoga and, you know, I don't have that body type. So yoga is not for me or men, for instance, a lot of men are like, well, I don't know. I don't go to yoga. It's for girls. (laughs) And I'm like, it's for everybody. It's for everybody. (laughs) Literally, if you have a body, great. You can do yoga. Like that's my perspective. (laughs) But I'm curious what you might say to, and those are just two potential examples of of things that I've heard out in the ethers of of reasons people think that yoga isn't for people like them. But yeah, what would you say to that somebody who has that thought in their head? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely, because I know this is something that a lot of people are feeling, and I guess the first thing I would say is is I understand. I I, I see why you would feel that way. Nowadays, especially those of us who exist on social media and in the Instagram world, that is what gets portrayed a lot, um, and and it is really unfortunate. But so first, I would just I would say I, I understand, and I'm I'm really sorry that you know you've been made out to feel that way. It is funny. I do like to bring up about the whole guys thing because guys do think like, oh, I can't do yoga because yoga is like a chick thing, you know, or like my partner in a sense, he's done a lot of yoga because obviously, you know, I'm a teacher and I was sort of practicing on him when, when we started, but he brought up too something that I, I hadn't really thought of is that I think some men too feel awkward going to classes because they are so filled with women. And obviously we're putting our bodies in somewhat compromising positions. So then they innately feel like creepy or they're going to be perceived as creepy. So they don't want to go. So I thought that, I don't know, that was a unique uh, reason, you know, not to mm. want to practice that I hadn't heard before. So I was like, well, it's like, we don't think you're creepy. We're, we're glad you're there. If you're not creepy, we're probably not going to think you're creepy. But the thing that I wanted to bring up about the men is it's, it's, it's ironic because, you know, historically, traditionally, if we look at the roots of yoga in India and Hinduism, it was originally yoga was just for men. Women weren't allowed to practice yoga because it was seen as sort of like a a divine practice. It was almost like um, a religious sort of passage, like a rite only, like super um, enlightened spiritual people were allowed to practice yoga, which were traditionally seen as esteemed men. So I don't know, it's just kind of ironic and and some food for thought, guys, if you're thinking that you're not allowed to do yoga. It's like, well, you know, originally it's it's meant it was built for you, but it is built for everybody, 100%. It reminds me of the story of Adam and Eve and like yoga is the <laughs> forbidden fruit. It's like, you know what? 
Eve, we wouldn't include you in this if you hadn't eaten that damn apple, but you ate the right. apple. And so you know what? No yoga for you. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, women yeah, women have been the the this the the spiritual fuck up since the dawn of time, apparently. But <laughs> I'm glad that the narrative is changing. But yes, I if if anything, you know, despite all of that tradition, you know, gender, everything else aside, yoga is for every body and I know it's really hard to just hear someone say that and obviously if you still don't feel comfortable in your body then that's something that's going to be really challenging to get over and that's something that's going to be sort of personal for you to get over and and really looking at your relationship with your body and yourself but if I could give any sort of I guess insight or advice to it I would let you know that yoga doesn't look one way yoga is not strictly moving your body into crazy positions on a yoga mat in a yoga studio. You don't have to go to a studio. You could practice at home. You can find videos online if you feel more comfortable doing it in a space where no one can see you. If you don't feel very inclined to do very active yoga practices, that's okay. There are practices that are really slow and really restorative and that focus more on mental relaxation rather than physical stimulation. If you don't even want to do any physical asanas or or postures, then meditation is considered yoga. You know, if we look at the actual full body of what a yoga practice is, there are eight different limbs that we practice from meditation to yoga asana to, you know, withdrawal of the senses. It it gets very sort of, sort of granular and a bit, a bit ethereal, um, the more that you get into it, but just the baseline is that yoga looks different for everybody and that yoga can be whatever you need it to be. Mm. I know because I know that's such a hard thing that a lot of people struggle with. And I wish that I could just be able to, you know, hug you and take and, and alleviate that sort of sort of, um, you know, sort of hindrance that you have around the practice. But also, I don't want to ever assume that the way that I've chosen is the right way for everybody. You know, if, if you tried it, and you gave it a good, honest, you know, go for it, and you really don't like it, then that's also okay. You know, it's not the be all um, solution for everybody. But if you do ever feel a bit overwhelmed, or, or you want some time to just relax and, and come back to yourself, or maybe you're looking for some sort of deeper meaning, you know, in, in anything than I would suggest the yoga practice, but your, your medicine might look completely different than mine. And I think that's the beauty of spirituality and the beauty of the world is that we just kind of find, find what works for us. Yeah, that's so well put and just love that. Love hearing that. And I feel like maybe younger versions of me are feeling healed just by hearing your words and insight on that from the times that I myself have felt that way and have been that person who's like, well, yoga is great, but you know, not for people like me. And deconstructing that is hard and it takes a lot of courage and then showing up anyways, even if I'm not in a studio and it's still a pandemic or whatever is going on and I'm just at home and just the act of rolling out my mat is radical (laughs) for me because it's not a part of my rituals anymore. I had a chapter where I was practicing yoga way more and I haven't been doing it as much lately, but it's one of those things that I know it's not going anywhere and it's still there to hold me if I want to be held and if I don't want to be held and I'd rather order a pizza instead and watch reality (laughs) television and that's my medicine for the night, then that's my medicine for the night and I'm going to do that. But we wake up new versions of ourselves every day. So why not consider it? And maybe somebody needed to hear this and be reminded just like me, like, hey, yoga is for you if you want it. And if you don't want it, that's also cool. Yeah, I love that. Like you said, yeah, sometimes pizza and a movie is the way to go. And I don't think that we need to shame that about ourselves. Or as long as you know the reason that you're doing it, you know, obviously, if you're choosing pizza and movies every night, maybe look if that's more of a numbing response in you rather than a way to just unwind, spend some time with your partner or your dogs. So just I think as long as we are aware of why we choose to do the things that we do, and if we get to the real root or the intention of what we're doing, then yeah, any... I hesitate to say anything can be your medicine because obviously there's some things I, I hope people don't choose as, as medicine, but you can <laughs> you can take the path that feels the, the most uh, true to your body. So speaking of yoga and kind of wrapping up this part of this episode before we pivot, 
I am curious, are there any main benefits that you've seen from your yoga practice that you'd like to share with us? Mm. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm a completely different person. (laughs) I mean, I'm the, I'm, I'm the same, but I feel wiser. I feel definitely more in tune to my body, both, you know, physically and emotionally. I'm able to, I think, deal with with stress and, and depression a lot easier now. I when I was in middle and high school, I, I suffered pretty severely with with depression issues. And since having a more regular spiritual practice, I I really have been able to move through a lot of that. So I just, I feel like I have that life raft. I just still really love that, that metaphor, that life raft that I can constantly return to and to know that I am whole exactly as I am and that everything that I ever search for, whether it's in a boyfriend or a bottle of wine or a night out or something, all of that can always be found somewhere within myself and I feel empowered by that. I feel alleviated by that. And I just, I feel more connected to spirit and myself, I think, than, than if I hadn't found the practice. Ooh, I love all of those answers. And it made me think about all the people that I know who are actively practicing yoga or are yoga teachers like yourself. You don't meet someone who's been practicing that who is just surrounded by chaos. <laughs> You just don't. Those people are just calm, even if they are in chaos. Chaos does not follow them. They're not magnets for chaos. Mm -hmm. And I think so many of us have lived in chaos and then go create chaos. And I say that as a human bulldozer at times (laughs) myself (laughs) and being aware of it too, where I'm like, damn, I could use a little bit more peace. And with everything that's been going on in the last year plus, peace is a practice, just like yoga is a practice and they go hand in hand. And just talking to you, I feel calm. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Yeah, I I definitely have um, like a yoga teacher voice sometimes. (laughs) If I listen to myself on playback, I'm reminded of those yoga journal VHS tapes. I'm like, wow, it's here. (laughs) You sound very yoga then almost like that little bit like you might be stoned you might be half in meditation like you're not sure like where that line is (laughs) like the voice just becomes very sort of monotone in a way but I I have had a lot of people tell me that yeah my voice is calming (laughs) in that way so I'm I'm glad glad to do that (laughs) it's awesome it's awesome so we could go talk about yoga all day because I know you've just got a crazy wealth of knowledge in that arena, but I would love to ask you a few questions about your witch practice <laughs> and starting off with that you call yourself an earth witch. So I'm curious, what is your relationship to the term witch and do you have any specific definition mm. for earth witch or how you kind of embody that? Mm, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's funny now as this is what my life has become. And I go on podcasts now as like, yeah, I'm the yoga witch who lives in a van. It's like, this is me now. <laughs> Probably <laughs> the oddest ball that you'll have on. <laughs> well, I don't know. There are a lot of oddballs out there now, which I'm very grateful for. But I realize <laughs> I'm I'm very weird <laughs> and I'm, I'm about it. But uh, yes, I... <laughs> Me too. Okay. I'm about it. <laughs> good, good. But yes, I, I do identify um, personally as as a witch or a pagan. Sometimes I'll kind of use the words interchangeably. And um, yeah, the the way that I define the word is is I I don't know. I, I don't really like to give a definition to it because I feel like now there has been this resurgence of modern paganism and, and these practices that are more earth based. And as with anything that becomes, you know. Um, I don't know, glorified or, or more modernly practiced than I feel like people like to pigeonhole it and people like to box it in and people like to exclude others and say, oh, well, this is a witch and this is not, you know? And one of the things that mm. really drew me to this practice was the sense of openness about it was that they're kind of, it, it is like a make your own rules type of thing. So I feel like so many people, if I were to give a definition of a witch, then I feel like I would think that I don't know, at least 85% of the people that I know are probably witches, even if they don't personally identify with that. But to me, it is just a form of spirituality that is centered around the energies of nature and the energies of the universe. And that is where, that's why, you know, I'm 
if you want to more closely define it, that's where, you know, the earth, the earth part comes in being an earth, witch. it sort of, which is like a, a, an umbrella term. And then the more that you dive into this community, then there are sort of these sub genres, if you will. Now there's like glamour, witches, and there are kitchen, witches. there's lots of different ways that people practice their, their own magic. So to me, it is with reverence of the earth and most specifically, most tangibly that results in the phases of the moon and also the changes of the seasons. So between those two energetic cycles, that is where I draw a lot of my inspiration in for my wellness practices, for my yoga practices, for my journaling practices, basically just the way that I study personal development and spiritual evolution is completely reliant on these natural phases of the earth. So it gets into a bit of folklore too then and a lot of times in a lot of witches and, and pagans will will work with these dual energies of the universe like a god and a goddess which basically mother earth you know and father son or, or there are different names and faces for everything um, but really it's it was just that connection to the earth that was most poignant for me but I think a lot of people are witches to me you're a witch if you just feel connected to any sense of magic in the universe, whether that is being a painter or an herbalist or someone who really loves cooking. You know, if you're putting intention and love into anything that you do, then to me, that's magic. And if, if people don't want to identify with that title as a witch, then, then that's also okay. But I just think there's a lot of fucking magic out there in the world and that more people <laughs> want to step into it, I think, than they give themselves credit for. Yeah, or give ourselves permission to go after the things we want to do. I have a friend who calls it kitchen mm -hmm. witching when she's in the kitchen. And I, she's not the only person to call it that I know, but she's the first person I ever heard call it that. And I was like, oh my gosh, exactly what you were just saying. People who are really great cooks, I'm like, you a witch because <laughs> you're so skilled and talented and scientists too. I'm like, you're putting this concoction together and I mean, you're alchemizing things, right? That's the Scorpio sun in you is like you are the alchemist. You are a witch <laughs> in this way. And the reclamation of this word that I've seen happening in the last few years as paganism has become modernized in our world has been really epic and cool because it used to be something that, you know, someone called you a witch. They were degrading mm -hmm. you or talking down to you because, you know, what did we do to the witches? We burned them, right? Yeah. So no, it has definitely been this big, you know, reclamation. And I think it kind of came at the perfect time. Everyone was sort of claiming this title of nasty woman again, too. It's this idea mm. that, well, whatever you call us to put us down, we can use that to help boost ourselves up more. And then we're going to, okay, then take this title that you think degrades us. And we're just going to own the shit out of that. Yeah, it's like that quote that I'm sure a lot of people have seen. We are the daughters of the witches mm -hmm. you couldn't burn. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. That's exactly it. Love that one. <laughs> I love that. I love the Earth Witch vibe. And something I would love to ask you about is how did you discover that you are a witch? Like, how did you come around to using the term for yourself and identifying with it? Yeah, it was really honestly just like a a declaration to myself, honestly. And see, this is where I think I might divert from some people who might believe that you're either innately a witch or you're not. I don't know. Like there's some sort of Sanderson sister bloodline that you have to get into. I don't know. I don't believe any of that. But <laughs> but I, it was more just like a, yeah, like a personal identification. I mean, I guess more concretely uh, towards the end of college, I was really interested in, in herbalism and, and botany and things of that sort. So I was using essential oils and, and plant medicine and just sort of making all these little potions for my friends. And that was when I had just met my, my partner now, Stephen, and he was kind of the first one to maybe introduce me to it. It's like, oh, you're, you're like a little witch in here, you know, just making all of your potions and, you know, doing moon shit. Like, this is 100% who you are. And I was like, what? I just never, the title never really occurred to me. But then looking back, my mom and my grandma, her mom, they've always been the most immaculate gardeners that I've ever seen. My grandma's backyard was like, bigger than her house. And she always had these beautiful plants and was able to just take such good care of it. And my mom was the, and my, my other grandma, my dad's mom, they were both the kind of women that wanted to give you peppermint essential oil instead of Advil every time because they were just super against any sort of man-made you know, prescription drug. They were all, all natural. So I've, I've always kind of been around that maternal 
woo woo energy, you know, and so I just sort of carried that um, into what I was doing. So in that sense, I do think that the women in my life really shaped me to be a witch or or put me into the position where I could um, confidently identify as one. Again, I I do think it's something that really, if if you want to be, then then you can claim it in yourself, you know, and it's just all about how you connect to the practices, whatever your practices look like. And yeah, just just owning that in yourself and, and believing that you do have the ability to create magic in your life. Mm. You were raised by garden witches and you grew <laughs> up and you became an earth witch. I'm like, yes, this all makes sense to me. That's so lovely and just so wonderful. And it's it's great hearing your story of yourself and how you came to embody the term because as much as language and labels can be hurtful, they can also be so empowering and they can help us awaken to who we really are and start questioning things, which is a lot of what you've been saying in this whole in- entire interview is at the core of of so much of what the work that you're doing, this soulful work out in the world, is your willingness to question things and ask why and then be in that silent, awkward, quiet phase of being alone, which for you probably at this point isn't silent or awkward or anything, you, you've you put aside the time to get to know yourself and to do the internal work to start seeing the fruits of your labor. And I just love hearing it because you never know who's going to hear this episode and go, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I needed to do for myself. I need to like let myself own this. You know, I am a painter mm-hmm. and I've just never come to terms with like allowing myself to embody that. And I love painting or I love I am a photographer. I love taking photos or whatever it is. Like you can be the thing. You have you have every right to claim what's yours and it is yours and and you Sierra, you just claim what's yours and it's beautiful and I love that about well, you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think that that's beautifully said. I think maybe when you claim it, there's a fear that, you know, you you can never fuck up. If all of a sudden you've said, "Oh, I'm a I'm a painter, so I just have to paint." perfectly from now on, you know, and if, if there's a day that I don't do my painting thing, then I messed up or, you know, even, even for me, you know, I, you know, when you say, you know, I, I am a yoga teacher and now I am a yogi. I have been for a long time, but still there are those days when I get in that silence and it is still really scary or I feel really sad or I can't get my mind to shut up or, you know, it is still really difficult for me a lot of the time, you know? So I think, yeah, allowing yourself to claim that label, but then also knowing that, you don't have to be perfect, then it's okay. You're still going to, you're still going to mess up and it's still a process. You're allowed to be an imperfect witch or an imperfect yogi or an imperfect painter. Yeah. You can slap the label on like a temporary tattoo and wash it (laughs) off if it doesn't feel good that day. And if you don't like that, you don't like temporary tattoos, get a Sharpie (laughs) out, draw it on, see how it feels. If you're really feeling committed, you go get that tattoo, but you know what? We got technology now. It's going to hurt like a bitch, but it'll come off if you really want to get rid of it. Right. Yeah, man. I love that. It's like the power of words, the power of language. And there is just so much power in the words that we say. I had a a guest on the podcast many, many episodes ago who said, words are powerful forms of magic. Mm -hmm. And that just never left me. I'm like, yes, we are casting spells every day with what we say to others, but even more importantly, what we're saying to ourselves you know, if your story is, well, yoga is not for me, people like me, and well, I can't be a witch because I'm actually really like terrible at mixing, you know, these herbs together and I, I don't understand them. Like, start mm-hmm. small, start where you are. You can be whatever you want to be. Yeah. I'm a hopeless romantic, a hopeless dreamer. So I'm here to cheer everybody <laughs> on. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that that's beautiful. I, magic is in your words every moment. I love that. So, wrapping up some of this chat about earth witching. I would love if you'd share with us some of your favorite witchy holidays. And I know there's a lot of them, so don't feel like you got to list them all. But I feel like I'm constantly discovering new witchy holidays that I'm like, oh, wait, there's a word for this? Like, interesting from people like you who are always educating me. And I love that. So any witchy holidays that you really love to celebrate and if you have any specific things that you like to do or rituals you like to participate in or lead to celebrate them, feel free to share those as well. Yeah. So that's the thing too. And a lot of people or at least know of, you know, these, these festivals because they're so tied to 
astrology and the way that we live our lives. So a lot of them are just basically the, the equinoxes and the solstices. The equinoxes being the, the middle points between the solstices and the solstices being, you know, either the longest or the shortest relatively day of the year. So with that, I love I love the summer and the springtime festivals. Well, I, now that I don't live in New Orleans, when you're in New Orleans, the summer times are, I don't know, a little bit miserable. You can't really go outside and do much because it's so humid and it's 100 degrees. But the whole energy of the summer festivals is all about uh, life and vibrancy because Mother Earth is alive and blooming and, and fruitful all around you. So there's this sort of buzzing energy around the summertime and, and the days are so much longer. You feel like you can do so much more and and you can just run around at nighttime in your shorts, just enjoy the summer nights and it feels like there's so much more going on. So I just, I love all of the the summertime festivals. Summer solstice especially is, is always one of my favorites. And all the full moons too, like I mentioned, there's, you know, the lunar cycle, which is obviously much more frequent than the seasonal cycle. So, I mean, we, we usually have about 12, sometimes 13 full moons a year. So those are always really powerful, energetic times as well. Um, and, you know, now that I live mostly outside, I'm, I'm so much more connected to watching the phases of the moon. You know, I can see how much lower or higher she rises in the sky over the day. And I know what time she's going to come up and how it lengthens. And I just, that is one of the reasons why I was so smitten with this, this van life is because I wanted to live that much closer to, to nature and, and to the earth and just being outside more. So yeah, summer, did I even answer your question? <laughs> summertime? Yeah, I, I love the summertime festivals. <laughs> <laughs> That's an awesome answer. And it's surprising how many folks don't think about, I mean, they know about the solstices, but they don't really think about them and put some intention into them. And creating your own rituals around them, I think, is really beautiful and a great entry point into having some sort of ritual for like the summer solstice or the winter solstice is doing exactly what you're saying. Like, how can I just have an eye on the sky and see how the moon is changing. And it's changing signs every two to three days as well. So the astrology is there that like the ocean, our inner ocean within us is constantly being disrupted mm -hmm. by changes and flows. And like one day you're feeling really fiery. Like we're recording this right now. On this day, the moon happens to be in Sagittarius and I'm <laughs> feeling it. <laughs> I'm feeling I got like this extra fire to me. And it's so interesting when you start paying attention what you'll pick up on. And I have a belief that the more we look up at the stars and the sky above us, the moon, the sun, the more we can look within mm. because we are stardust. That is us. We are the universe experiencing itself. That is not my quote, but that is a quote I definitely align with and live mm. by. Yes. I love it. All of that. Yes. <laughs> so just a couple questions I like to ask folks in every episode for wrapping up are, do you have any, and of course we've named some of them, so maybe some different ones, uh, daily, weekly, or monthly routines that you love and would recommend others try out? Yes. If I have one thing, if you want to take one thing away from me today, and it's not my practice, I really wish that it was. Well, I don't mind that it's not. It can be hers. I'm happy to have it anyway, is <laughs> this idea of morning pages. Um, it comes from Julia Cameron, who's an author. She wrote The Artist's Way in the Vein of Gold. But basically morning pages, and I'm, I'm a writer and I'm a journaler at heart, so maybe this wouldn't be for everyone. But if you feel, I don't know, a really strong resistance to it, then you know, maybe lean into that and give it a try and see how you feel. But morning pages is just three pages of journaling sort of right when you wake up. And there's no rhyme or reason or structure or anything to it. It's just basically... Mm -hmm. like word vomiting for lack of a better word uh, anything that you're thinking onto the page so it, it it's a really wonderful practice first thing in the morning because it helps you clear your mind it's very meditative without having to sit you know in the traditional seated closed eyes meditation I think you're still getting a lot of the same benefits and um, I think having something to do might be a little bit more a little bit more accessible for some people than just regular seated meditation um, and you really just end up having a conversation with yourself, um, and which is really beautiful. You kind of get to to access some deeper insights that maybe you weren't sure were there. Um, and yeah, you can really work through a lot of a lot of powerful things. So that's been the the daily routine that I've been able to 
integrate in <laughs> probably because I can do it from anywhere and I can still just be in, in my bed in my van and still be doing my morning pages. It doesn't take a whole lot of, it's not very taxing spatially. So that's been my favorite one so far. Um, but really just, yeah, I, I love the act of, of writing and connecting to yourself every day. So beautiful. I've had one other friend who's mentioned morning pages to me and just thought the whole concept and idea of it was really, really cool. I haven't tried it out, but hearing you bring it up again is like, huh, okay, maybe this is a sign. Maybe I should try this out. Yeah, it is really great. And I will say one thing, I'm one struggle that I have with them sometimes, which was unexpected, is I'm a very proactive journaler, you know, so I always give my students during the full moons and, and the holidays, we give journal prompts. So we're journaling about very specific sort of sometimes metaphysical topics. But with this, you just kind of write whatever. And sometimes you don't know what to say to fill out three pages. So you just end up coming up with these random things. And, and I was I was kind of getting over this in my head to where like, oh, well, I'm not journaling about anything like productive or life shattering. So why the hell am I doing this? You know, I feel silly just writing about, you know, how <laughs> I feel about what Steve said yesterday, you know, so it, there is a little bit of a resistance to where you feel <laughs> like you try to, I don't know, discredit your thoughts or your feelings in some way. So that's been that's been something that is that I've noticed in myself, you know, is that it's okay <laughs> that I'm just writing nonsense. One time, I think when I first started them, I was just feeling really frustrated or had too much caffeine that morning, or I don't know what, but I think I just I just wrote the word fuck for like two pages straight. And then I was like, okay, now I'm now I'm ready to write something actually. I love that. I feel like that's such a release though, still just even writing out fuck over and over yeah, again. It really, it really it's was. Awesome. <laughs> Do you think that you've like remembered your dreams better? Because I would imagine if I woke up and the first thing I did was morning pages, that if I did remember my dreams, you know, I might just write out what mm. I dreamt and maybe it would become like a dream journal. I have almost. done that a few times, but you know, I go through phases in my life a lot where um, I honestly can't remember my dreams at all. And this is one of them. There was a period um, maybe six months ago or so where I was I was being able to remember my dreams a little bit easier. But honestly, I, I hardly ever wake up with any memory of my dreams. It, it makes me sad a little bit. And I don't know what the difference is between the phases of my life where they come and when they go. But yeah, I'm just I'm not remembering any of mine <laughs> right now. I'm not great at remembering them ever. But the only shot that I have at remembering a dream is if I write it down immediately when I yeah. wake up. Yeah, that could that definitely that'd give you something, give you something to write about for sure. So maybe if we have anybody listening who's like a really vivid dreamer, <laughs> first off, I'm jealous. I think Sierra is yeah, too. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Also, maybe you don't love the idea of morning pages, but maybe you want to start like a dream journal and then it kind of becomes morning pages and who knows what can come of it. But I think that's awesome. Like it has the potential to be so many different ways of supporting you throughout yeah, your day. Yeah, I, I honestly notice such a huge difference in it. And yeah, if you if you try it out, Carrie, let me know how what you think of it. I will. I will. I'm such a night owl. I might have to start with evening. <laughs> it can be that too. You know, my my partner <laughs> for stands because he does them too. He stands firmly that they can be any time of the day. But I I like to do mine specifically in the morning for like mental clarity and things like that. But but I I do also think that yeah, if you if you want to do it at a different time of the day, I'm sure it will also be beneficial. Yes. Love it so much. So another question I always love to ask my guests is there an affirmation or a mantra that you are really enjoying right now? And what is it? Oof. <laughs> it's not that. It's not oof. Um, <laughs> hmm, that's such a lovely question. You know, and I remember when we talked before this that you said you were going to ask me this. And I was like, ooh, I should think of a really good one so I can have it ready then. And I did not think of one that was really earth shattering. <laughs> Unfortunately, I wanted to give like a really good one because affirmations are so integral to yoga and magic and every everything that I do. But I find sometimes mine are just the simplest, simplest ones. Simple is good. Simple is good. It permeates. So the one that I've been using most often nowadays is just that I am okay and it mm. and it serves me most when I'm dealing with just the day-to-day -day sort of struggles or stressors of just being a human or living in a van or, or something like that. The things that sometimes make me the most anxious or the most stressed out. If I just take a moment and look at it and tell myself that I'm okay no matter what, then that is just really empowering and, and, and relieving in that way, you know, that 
that it's okay if my coffee got spilled all over my journal because my my dog jumped up on the couch or something. You know, that can be really frustrating, but also like, I'm okay. It's like that didn't change anything Mm. about who I am or or what's going on inside of me. That's a very unsexy (laughs) affirmation. But like, it's like self-care though. Does it need to be Mm. sexy? (laughs) Because as long as it's effective and it works for you, I love that. I'm okay. It's simple. It's straight to the point. Anybody can remember. It's only two words, so it's easy, which is always good for any kind of practice. And it makes me think of when all the shit first hit the fan with COVID and everything was shutting down and it was just like – felt like time stopped. I had an awesome mentor in my life who – when I was talking with him about like mantras and stuff and I was like, you know, this is what's getting me through at the time and it was something around peace that I was working with, which is it seems to be a theme <laughs> for me. I'm always seeking peace uh, because I've ha- had so much chaos in my world in my life so far. So peace is my medicine. But what he had shared with me, I was like, you know, is there anything that's really resonating with you? And he said, yeah, my mantra right now is I'm okay with what happens. Mm. And – I was just like, wow, way to like take yourself away from the attachment in such a simple, beautiful way. And I've been working with that one through this whole time that we've had. You know, it's ongoing even when it's behind us. Is it really behind us? Because there's just so much expansion and change that's happened with all of this going on and I'm okay with what happens and just stripping that down to the basic of what it is is I'm okay period. It's simple, but it's profound. And I love that mantra. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. It's my pleasure. I'm glad I could help with that at all. (laughs) Yeah, it's awesome. And we're almost at the end of our interview, but I have some rapid fire questions if you're ready for them. (laughs) always. (laughs) So the way this works is that you can choose one of the two options that I'll present you with, or I always encourage creativity. So if you have a completely different answer, (laughs) that is also valid. And if you don't like either of the answers and you don't have any answer that you think is better, you can say neither and none of them. And, you know, they can be dead to you and it's completely fine. So uh, let's start it out with new moons or full moons. Ooh, full moons. Full moons. How about Sunday or Saturday? Sunday. Sunday. Okay, how about candles or essential oils? Mm, candles. Mm, love that fire. <laughs> Tarot cards or oracle decks? Oof. Um, I'm gonna say oracle decks just because there's more freedom with the art and I get to I get to look at more shiny things. So true. Do you have a favorite oracle deck? My favorite is from Sahara Rose. It's called the Yogi Path and it's a tarot deck or an oracle deck, which is all about the eight limbs of yoga and the chakras and things like that. It's got all the yoga deities in there. It's yeah, it's, it's very beautiful. What about <laughs> are you a morning person or a night owl? Mm. I'm going to say night owl because it takes me a bit more to to get up and go in the morning. I, I need that that hour to just drink my coffee and write in my journal. <laughs> Love that. How about read a book or listen to a podcast? Um, I'm a book girl. I've always been a book girl. So good. Phone calls or text messages? Uh, I still, yeah, I, I like text messages. I'm I, I think the only people I talk on with the phone with are my mom and my grandma. <laughs> awesome. How about crystal gems or crystal balls? Ooh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say balls because I've never had a crystal ball, but I, I would love one. I think you need one. I think that would be <laughs> an awesome new form of divination for you. Yes. How about coffee or tea? Coffee. I was like, I was like, I don't even know. I don't even know what the second option is. It's coffee over everything. <laughs> Maybe besides my dogs, if it was between coffee and my dogs, I still might think about it a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. coffee for sure. <laughs> okay, I have this fun one uh, that I have only asked one other person because I always forget to ask it, and I never include it in my notes. But Nicholas Cage or Nickelback? Oh my god. Um. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm going to say Nick Jonas. <laughs> just there because, we go. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even, I don't even care for the Jonas brothers at all, but I just, I'm, I lived in New Orleans for a long time and Nicholas Cage is a kind of a running joke with us because he used to live there and he has this terribly gaudy ornate pyramid shaped grave site for himself already built in one of the, one of the graveyards there in New Orleans. And he just, he, yeah, he's, he's pretty infamous in the Big Easy <laughs> for, for no good reasons. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. I had no idea and I love that connection. And I also feel like I'm going to call him Nicholas Pyramid from now on. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot. He's definitely made a name for himself in the city. <laughs> How weird. The more you know. Yeah, I love that question because most people are not on board with either. <laughs> so it's just a great question to ask people. It's so great. <laughs> but I would be lying, honestly, if I said I didn't know like all the words to at least two Nickelback songs, though. So never made it as a wise man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can go down that rabbit hole. I know way too many of the lyrics of Nickelback. I grew up on Nickelback and Nicolas Cage because my mom is like a hardcore fan of Nicolas Cage. Like she thought Ghost Rider was a good movie. <laughs> oh my god. I love you, mom, if you're listening. But that movie was not that good. Let's be real. <laughs> it was hilarious but like in all the wrong ways like it was not supposed to be that funny or maybe it was I don't know oh my gosh have you seen those SNL sketches where um Andy Samberg plays Nicolas Cage it's pretty funny he does a really great job <laughs> oh my gosh I haven't but I desperately need to like I'm looking this up yeah. tonight <laughs> they give him like a five head and he goes on weekend update and he just like grills other actors like usually they'll have the real actor like Bradley Cooper or something on there and then it's Andy Samberg pretending to be Nicolas Cage, like interrogating these actors. I don't know. Yeah, you should look it up. <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. I love that. So this is the Soulful of It podcast. So I've got to ask you, what are you soulful of right now? Mm. <sighs> Potential. Mm. <laughs> yes. I feel that. So much. So much potential. I love that. <laughs> what an awesome answer. So I know that folks are going to love this episode. They're going to love you and they're going to want to find you. So where can folks find you and connect with you? And do you have anything going on that everybody should know about? Yes, I hope so. I hope you enjoy it. And if you've made it all the way to the end here, thank you so much. I'm so, so happy. Thank you, Carrie, again for having me. I'm mostly hanging out on Instagram at The Local Mystic, and I lead guided meditations there on live every Monday, or you can come over to on my website, thelocalmystic.com. I have a membership, a mystic membership in there where we have all of our full and new moon circles. There's my whole yoga library where I film uh, my classes all over the country as we travel around. And also we have lots of really awesome guest workshops and, and meditations in there. So yeah, any of that, we're more than welcome to have you with, with open arms. We love all the woo-woo we love all of the new age and and we we really like Taylor Swift in there too. A lot of a lot of us are a lot of us are big Taylor Swift fans in there too. That part's not uh, necessary, but if you are also, that's a bonus. What a great bonus. Well, I'm just going to echo what you said for our listeners. Definitely highly recommend connecting with Sierra, following her on Instagram at the local mystic. Her website is thelocalmystic.com and her mystic membership is live. It's badass. She has so much amazing content in general, but really taking it to the next level with this membership. Like so in awe of what you've built and just in awe of who you are, Sierra. And it's just been such a joy to have you sharing some of your magic with us. Thank you so much, Carrie. I had I had a really good time. This was lovely. It was an absolute delight to have you on here. And thank you again so much for joining us for this episode. 